Is one or neither of the tight ends in Baltimore the player to own for the Ravens in the FFPC playoff challenge number two? How much do you trust Stephon Diggs in the final FFPC competition of the year? And which Packer is the correct player to roster in the chase for a $100,000 grand prize? Plus the 2023 FFPC never too early best ball tournament $25,000 grand prize winner Wilson Moy will hang out with us to discuss how he built his winning team, who he's deploying in his FFPC play, Playoff Challenge 2 roster this weekend, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Thank you, Rob. Welcome in to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Greetings. To all of you, Balkaholics and Ferreliacs, uh, we are presented by MyFFPC.com, MyFFPC.com. So glad to have you aboard tonight. Um, I am, uh, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. You may or may not know me from the road of his high stakes lowdown, the high stakes fantasy football show on the Better Sports Network. And of course, the FFPC. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, the one, the only, the Farrell Elliott coming up on tonight's show. Farrell and I are going to make an FFPC Playoff Challenge 2 lineup for you to utilize this weekend in your chase for the $100,000 grand prize and more. Plus the 2023 FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament $25,000 grand prize winner Wilson Moy is going to drop on by to join us uh, to talk about his early draft strategy that he utilized, that you have to utilize in the Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament, who he likes in the final FFPC postseason contest of the year, and much more. If you want to connect with us on the X, you can do so at HSFFHour, at Eric Balkman. Of course, check out Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. You can post on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash HSFFHour. You can also email the show at HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com. So if you have any questions for us, now is the time to send them in. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Shout out to our engineer, audio engineer, and my best friend, Bryce, and of course, our producer and mutual friend, Rob. Go to myffpc.com right now to play in the FFPC Weekly Challenge number two. Uh, excuse me, not the weekly challenge, playoff challenge number two. <laughs> We've had a little few more than, um, than uh, 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 two weekly challenges this year. There's no draft or salary cap in this. You're just choosing eight players by tomorrow's kickoff at 4.30 Eastern time. And then you watch them ride through the duration of the postseason. You don't have to worry about changing players out when, you know, games are won or lost or, you know, when we move on to the next round of the postseason. It is set it and forget it. Uh, that's all you have to do. Once you set it, you are locked in and you got a shot at a $100,000 grand prize. Remember, only one player per NFL team. You're only picking one player from each of the remaining eight teams. Quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, and two flexes. No kickers, no defenses. Uh, if you want to join at the $35 level, you can win up to $25,000. If you want to join at the uh, $200 entry fee, 
uh, you are eligible for a $100,000 grand prize there as well. Now, as a reminder, we are, oh my goodness, I got to think about this here for a second, about 19 hours, r- roughly 19 hours until the lineups lock and the competition will lock uh, for uh, this challenge. And we are looking at, um, I want to say, um, not quite 60% full. Uh, in the $200 entry, and I would say right around the, the same, not quite 60% full in the uh, in the $35 entry. So there could be some value there. We'll see how things shake out tonight and tomorrow, but uh, if you are looking for a reason to get multiple teams, that's a pretty good reason right there uh, to uh, to join uh, this competition, That both of these competitions that may not reach capacity as uh, they will lock at 430. All prizes in the prize pool that were announced, are guaranteed regardless of the amount of entries that are in the competition. MYFFPC.com is where to go for that. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the FFPC channel, comment on the video, and then share it with your friends and enemies. Get notified by clicking the bell on your screen. So anytime we go live, whether it be this show, the Road of Biz High Stakes Lowdown, or the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network, you will be, oh, and all the draft coverage that we'll have coming up as well. Um, Make sure you do that, and then uh, you'll never miss a show that we have on the FFPC YouTube channel. Uh, Let's welcome in uh, my co-host right now. He is the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Hit him up at kffsc.com. You can also register for all the Big Game Sunday uh, uh, drafts that are going on there as well. It is Farrell Elliott. Welcome aboard, my friend. Happy January 19th to you. Yeah, same to you, Balky. Do you take a little drink of water there? You know, loosen it Thank up, you. swish it up. You know, how cold is it in Wisconsin? Now, I mean, it's it's eight degrees right now in in gorgeous Appleton, Wisconsin, um, with the wind chill. We're probably below, I don't know, maybe maybe ten below or something. I think we are in a winter uh, weather advisory until nine a.m. tomorrow. I want to say uh, could be getting to twenty or thirty below tonight. So it's not warm, but it's bearable. It's 12 degrees here and the wind chill doesn't matter because no one goes outside anyway. (laughs) That's, you know, as long as you, as long as there's no holes in the wall, wind chill's okay. I, uh, I think that um, as much as we talked about weather this past weekend for the playoff challenge with, um, you know, the chiefs and the dolphins um, and uh, the bills and the Steelers, it seems to be less of an issue. I know there's, there's probably going to be some rain in Santa Clara for green Bay and San Francisco, I know that um, that snow could still be an issue um, for Buffalo and Kansas City this week. But at the same time, Kansas City just got out of a really, really cold game, and they look pretty good doing it. And I don't know how much the snow actually affected the Bills and Steelers last week. It seemed like that one was kind of overrated. The biggest one was really that Kansas City-Miami um, uh, game. Yeah, and, you know, the snow for the Bills game was all in the seats. That's, that's mm-hmm. where the <laughs> right. field looked good. Field, field look good. Ground crew, ground crews are going to do a great job with that kind of stuff. Let's uh, let's talk about a game that's going to be uh, on the East Coast, but there's no weather issues that I'm aware of, uh, and that's the Baltimore Houston game. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network uh, reported that Mark Andrews will indeed be out for the divisional mm-hmm. round game against the Houston Texans. Now, Mark Andrews, the last couple of days, got in full practices, but the Ravens coaches said that they don't want to rush him back for the divisional round. According to Rappaport, Baltimore said the plan has always been to bring him back for the AFC title game, which would be next week. Now, Andrews not playing this week means Isaiah likely is going to be the primary pass catching tight end once again in this offense. And always a reminder, 
the one team that allowed the most receptions to tight ends in the regular season, the Houston Texans. Mm -hmm. This is a monkey wrench, and this will get into our playoff challenge two roster at the end of the program. But, Farrell, to me, I, I'm going to double down on what I said last week on the Ravens tight ends, even though Andrews uh, should be good enough to play next week. And then if Baltimore wins that game and gets to the Super Bowl, Andrews will get double points. I don't want to mess around with this. Like, there, there's no – I mean, likely could have a big game this week, and then Lamar Jackson could lean on him going forward. The Ravens could lose this week, and then the dream is over for Andrews. Like, to me, there's – I know you want to take some risks in the playoff challenge too, but Mark Andrews, I don't know if I want to be that risky. No, and you're you're buying multiple teams in playoff challenge too, and and you you know what you're doing. I, I love likely, but uh, I think we need just to avoid the position, uh, and and put someone else in the tight end spot. But uh, if we we're playing one game, uh, likely, you know, this is a good good start for him. I think uh, that. Um... There is a chance, a non-zero chance, as I always like to say, mm-hmm. that likely blows up. I don't want to say blows up this game, but maybe has like a six for 70 and a touchdown type game. That sounds reasonable. Um, and, and if he does do that, at maybe, the, you know, like the, the narrative is Andrews would be back for the AFC title game. There's no guarantee about how many snaps he's going to see. There's That's no... Right. There's no um, uh, guarantee on how involved in the offense he's going to be. Maybe I mean, I am much more likely to play Isaiah likely in this challenge rather than than Mark Andrews going forward here. I think Correct me if I'm wrong, but all of our remaining teams have a go-to tight end, so I would not want to split that, even with even with Andrews. Uh, a, a small snap count, uh, I wouldn't want to split that. I, I guess Buffalo has two tight ends, but they use them differently, and they're on the field often. It's just I don't want to overthink it. I just in in our contest here, which is you know this contest is a great value. What are the grand prizes again, Balky? The uh, two hundred dollar FFPC uh, two hundred dollar entry FFPC playoff challenge number two uh, has a one hundred thousand dollar grand prize. Fantastic. The thirty five dollar entry one will have a twenty five thousand dollar grand. Prize. Well, they, you know these are great values, and, and yeah, I I don't want to get too uh, with with all the tight ends that are in this mix. If, if, if everybody was a little bit like Buffalo, then then I would feel more like doing something with likely. But uh, you know, when we get down to the when we get down to that uh, Super Bowl game, uh, who who would you rather have, uh, likely or Kittle? Uh, I'd rather have Kittle. Yeah. I'd rather have Kittle. Who yeah. would you rather have uh, go to the quarterback position, Purdy or Lamar? You know. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and I to your point, I think that. Um, um, if this was a different playoff field, we would be much more eager to take a chance on somebody yeah, like Andrew. Exactly. But because of all the tight ends and because of all how these guys are utilized, I think we can fade it easily. Now I'll tell you another player, and I don't know if this is popular or not. I should bring up the fantasy mojo stats, but another player I've loved to fade. Um, and I've been telling anybody who's playing in the playoff challenge or the playoff challenge too to fade this guy. Stefan Diggs was actually mm-hmm. removed from the injury report today, and he will play against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Sean McDermott said that Diggs hurt his foot in the wild card game against the Steelers. Uh, limited in practice today, but he's not on the injury report. Uh, you could make the case that this guy has the highest ceiling of anyone. You could also make the case that um, he is, as far as uh, receivers go in this, he, he's not even in the top four in, in the playoff challenge. So I think we we trap. We we utilize we exercise a little trepidation with Stephon Diggs because Josh Allen is a really really good quarterback. 
Dalton Kincaid is a really, really good tight end, and they have a Pro Bowl running back in James Cook here too. I am not trusting Diggs. If he ends up being the bill to own, so be it. But I, I, I have a lot of questions about this guy, given how he's been playing down the stretch here, the types of routes he's running, uh, the numbers he's putting up. I, I feel like there there could be some higher ceiling players out there, Farrell, that might actually have higher floors as well. Yeah, and uh, Buffalo is not the same team that we remember from the start of the year, and definitely not last year. And uh, so Diggs is Diggs is hurting. He was compromised physically in the last game, uh, doing deep bends and uh, on the sidelines, and was in some distress. And the announcers didn't say a whole lot about it. And you, you could tell the player wasn't himself. Uh, Khalil Shakir steps up as a player that can make some differences here. But this is a running attack, a dual tight end attack, and Diggs is 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 a wonderful player. And I give him kudos for answering the bell uh, when he needs to. But we won't get the same Diggs in, in this matchup that we've previously seen, I don't think. To my point, and I can't remember who brought this up to me, but I've been looking at it, and it's actually been pretty pretty accurate. Diggs is still seeing a lot of targets. He's still getting a lot mm-hmm. of catches, but he's not getting downfield like he was before. I feel like I brought this up on the show a couple of times. And in that wild card game, seven catches for 52 yards. You'd like to see more downfield stuff from Diggs and that heavily involved in the offense. You just want to see him do more with those catches. And it hasn't been happening lately. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, speaking of um, players that were removed from the injury report, Farrell. Uh, They have removed Christian Watson from the injury report uh, for the divisional round game against the 49ers. This according to Matt Schneidman uh, from The Athletic. Now, Watson was limited in practice all week. He played in the game against the Cowboys last week. One catch for nine yards, which was one more catch and nine more yards than Jaden Reed had, for what it's worth. Um, He only had one target last week and did Watson. Now, the fact that he's off the injury report means that not only could he get more than one target, but play more than 12 snaps, which is all he got in Dallas. Um, I think that if if you – and Jaden Reed, by the way, not, also not on the injury report for anybody who's wondering. Um, there are a lot of different ways to go with the with the Packers' um, uh, uh, skill position players in this FFPC playoff challenge too. Uh, Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, you could, mm. you could employ the um, – the likely Andrews theorem here and just eliminate Kraft and, and Musgrave entirely. But that still leaves guys like Reed and Watson. And oh, by the way, Romeo Dobbs, who had 150 plus yards against uh, Dallas last week. And then Dontavian Wicks, who seems to have a knack uh, for the end zone as well. Like there's four. All lines. your favorite Packers. All though. my favorite Packers. Like it, it and, and that's what it's been like um, over the course of this, you know, the last five weeks of the season or whatever it's been since the, the Packers offense has really caught steam. I think uh, if, if the playoff challenge to owner or playoff challenge ownership is any guide, there's gonna be a lot of people on Aaron Jones here in this competition. Mm-hmm. Farrell, if we were to say you can't pick love and you can't pick Jones, which Packer receiver would you want to go with here for this? contest? I, I, I think I'm going to go with the hot hand and I'm going to go to Dubes. I think he is the, the player with the most experience of this group. Um, and I think that uh, I think, think he is a dependable route runner that does not need separation to catch the ball. And so I think he can high point the ball. He can win the contested catch. So if I was going to play one, that would be the guy I'm going to play. 
He catches all six of his targets last week for 151 yards and a touchdown does Romeo Dobbs. And this is a guy that is out there every play, you know, so you can like, honestly, you could have said anybody there, Farrell, and I probably would have agreed with you because. Yeah, it's an embarrassment of riches. And uh, if you hit the right one. Saddle up and ride. Yeah, <laughs> we have Wilson Moy coming up, the uh, never too early best ball tournament champion from this past year, the twenty five thousand dollar winner. Before we get to him, the last thing I want to bring up, speaking of tight ends, Farrell, Sam Laporta uh, limited in practice uh, yesterday. In fact, I'm going to get the the practice today. I believe he got in a full practice today, if I remember correctly. He's listed as questionable um, for the Buccaneers game. Uh, full participant on Wednesday, limited on Thursday and Friday. He ran a route on eighty percent of the Lions uh, dropbacks on on uh, this past weekend and wildcard, the super wildcard weekend. So I would imagine that he would be suiting up only three catches for 14 yards. He did get in the end zone. Um, you talk about all these tight ends that are available in this competition. How much does the injury scare you off of Laporta and maybe scare you or, or you know, chase you to Gibbs or Montgomery or St. Brown in this contest, Farrell? How concerned are you with Laporta's knee? Those guys are very exciting. <clears throat> the other guys are very exciting, although I think that Laporta owners could not resist him because they he meant so much to their teams uh, in, in the FFPC main event and in all the other events. And I think that uh, with the type of routes he runs, the defense that Detroit will be facing this week uh, I think he's a high target player, so we get 1.5 for for the catches. So, I, I can if I'm putting together a new lineup, one of my teams would probably involve Laporta. Not all of them, but one of them. And if I have Laporta in my lineup from last weekend, I'm not discouraged. I think he's going to have a bigger game this weekend. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing, like. Normally we see something like, um, oh, okay, well, he played in the game full practice and then he got downgraded. Maybe he'll actually be a little bit worse this week. I think you and I are looking at it at the opposite angle. I think this is the week that he he shines. This is the week that he comes through. This is the week is it's going to be even bigger. And, and that's what makes it so compelling to try to figure out, do we want Laporta? Do we want one of the running backs? Do we want one of the uh, – do we want St. Brown on this team? Multiple lineups, yeah, for sure. Get Laporta in there at least once, maybe twice. Um, and I'll be very anxious to see how his um, knee holds up and how his production turns out on Sunday afternoon when they host the Buccaneers. Speaking of hosting, we are hosting a champion tonight, Farrell. We're going to bring in tonight's guest now. He is a 14-time FFPC league champion. He's here tonight to talk about a much bigger win than a league championship. He won the $25,000 grand prize in the 2023 FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament Championship. Please welcome onto the program your newest 25K winner, Mr. Wilson Moy. Wilson, welcome in. How are you, man? Good evening, Eric. Good evening, Farrell. I'm doing well. How are you gentlemen doing? We're excited for divisional round playoff football. I can tell you that right now. Um, yes, so, sir. So now do you have, do you have a, a team uh, that, that you root for in the NFL or are you just all fantasy, Wilson? Uh, I'm, I'm not proud to say I'm a lifelong Cowboys fan, but it has nothing to do with, uh, has nothing to do with fantasy football or gambling. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I get it. And, and that's totally fine. That's totally fine. Um, you are the never too early best ball tournament champion. Congratulations on that. 
Um, I have to, I have to ask, and, and I was there's so, like the majority of fantasy football players, and and you can even say like the the non FFPC players, the the casual players, will not draft until late August, early September. Yeah, what a mistake. Yeah, what I mistake. totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. So Wilson, you actually were what what drew you to the never too early best ball tournament? Why did you want to get out there and draft early? Obviously, you're glad you did right now. But what sort of attracted you to this competition? <laughs> Well, frankly speaking, I'm a degenerate. I love it. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm not. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be straight about it. And and actually, in my opinion, the most fun part of fantasy football is the drafting. It, yep. it allows sure. you to get the you know the thinking the, the thinking juices going. Allows you to participate mm-hmm. without the hassle of the management part. So mm-hmm. the best ball leagues has that attraction to it which mm-hmm. um you know i mean you could do it in in managed leagues or redraft leagues but in the end you're gonna you're gonna kick yourself because you'll have x number of leagues to manage during the league when you're doing waivers wilson i i love the never too early they're my favorite drafts of the year i think four of them last year for me i was i was tempted to jump into a two-hour one this week uh, but it filled before I could make my final decision. But there, people say, I don't like drafting with the unknowns. Well, I like trying to figure out the unknowns. Uh, you know, we're, we're looking at free agency. There's some enticing free agents at wide receiver this year. I like to think of T. Higgins, who I never really drafted that much, but I don't care where he ends up. I think if he's back at Cincinnati, it's for a reason. And if he's not at Cincinnati, it's probably somewhere better. And, you know, it's just things like that. You can look at the rookie draft, the upcoming rookies, and and it's just replete with wide receivers. They got one tight end out of Georgia. Bowers is a fascinating player. And, you know, we'll get them later than we'll get them in August. So it makes it a lot of fun. Balky talks about (laughs) these drafts. uh, Draft it and forget it. Draft it and you're done. I find myself looking – at these never too early scores and these best ball scores more than I do my main event teams. I always want to see who's left, who's done what, who's it's, 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 it, it, they're, they're fun teams to follow. And I wear myself out looking at the possibilities. Okay. Can the guy on Monday night stretch out more than 14 points and get me more points? And it's, and it, you know, it, and the last thing I'll say about those leagues before I ask my question is that the end of the season, I think, is one of the most exciting FFPC formats as you advance. As you advance through the championship, how much time did you spend in front of the screen, uh, both television <laughs> screen and computer screen, just trying to see and 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 picture how it was going to come down? And, and what was your winning spread when it was all said and done? Uh, the I, I think... Uh, let's answer the second part. Oh, I got a whole part. lot of questions. I, I think it's. I think. I think <laughs> I won like by seven points. If that's what you're right, asking me, right. like uh, over the second place uh, team. Uh, to answer your question, the, I think you asked about. Uh, do I look at the, the the? I guess the scores during the yeah yeah during the Sunday games, and for best ball leagues like the the never too early format. I don't normally look at them during the season because I have a lot of managed leagues. So I have, I have to get that under control. And usually it's injuries and scouting, but 
once you get into the playoffs, I agree with you, Farrell, 100%. I, I'm now looking at the scores of the best ball teams mm-hmm. versus the managed teams. Because a lot of the managed teams, either you get booted out of the playoffs or you didn't qualify. So that basically funnels down uh, your your whole menu of teams to, to a, a couple handfuls. But, yeah, that's – you know, this year or in previous years, I've never advanced past the um, uh, first round of the playoffs because oh. I, I I think what happens is the top two in every yeah. league advance, and then you and get then, there, then there's the top three out of your twelve or something like that. It, Correct. It's pretty fascinating when it all comes. Down. Yeah. So I actually, I mean, even the first round, I really wasn't. I, I guess looking deep into it, but once I got me, I was like, "Wow, I'm I'm in a place where I've never been." So let's see what players I have, because most of the time, I in the in the best ball leagues, I don't I don't look at the players as much because there's nothing yeah. I can do versus a managed league. You know, and, and most of the time, you know, I think most fantasy managers would agree. The downfall of managed leagues is you have to do waivers. You're scouting, you're cutting, and and that just takes a lot of time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, when you went, like, at what point did you really think that, oh, wow, I, I really got a good shot of, of winning this thing? Like, did you take a start taking a closer look at your roster just uh, for this specific team, Wilson, the last few weeks of the season um, and, and, and uh, kind of ignored it throughout the year since there was nothing that you could do with it? How did you sort of like, how, when did you realize, like, you had a really good shot at winning 25 grand here? Yeah, uh, the first part is during the season, I don't really look at the teams. I may check into the league homepage to see, mm-hmm. like, where I am, you know, if I'm near the top or the bottom. So it's just basically a very cursory look. Now, again, once I got into the playoffs, again, I wasn't really taking – I'm not saying I wasn't taking it seriously, but I wasn't really thinking, oh, I have a chance because I've never advanced. So I'm just like, right. come on, I hope hope my team pops. It was until the second week, I believe, uh, second week is week 16, when Amari Cooper went off with 51 points, and I had him on my team, and I scored top points in that second to last week. I was like, wow, this is, uh, you know, am I seeing something? Because everybody has a stack team. <laughs> right, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, it's, and it's a timing thing, you know? I, I mean, Who were some of the players that delivered for you? You know, you say stack team, but. Besides Cooper, yeah. Did you make did did you make really good draft picks, or did you have someone come out of nowhere, or did you just stay healthy? Did your team just stay healthy? Yeah, I would say that my I would say this team was. You know, I'm looking at my draft, and and thank you for inviting me on your show. I forgot to say that, but uh, the first six picks basically stayed healthy and were productive. And in fantasy drafts, especially this draft was drafted on tax day, April 15th. So, and again, it was pre-NFL draft. I'm actually surprised all these players stayed healthy and were productive. And it was basically C.D. Lamb. And you you gentlemen know how well C.D. Lamb, I think it was the number one fantasy producer, non-quarterback-wise. C.D. Lamb, uh, the sun god, Amon Ra. Travis Etienne, Amari Cooper, and Michael Pittman were my first five. 
and even though, like I said, I'm not I'm not proud to be a Cowboys fan, and I try to limit my exposure. I had Dak Prescott because the previous year he was a turnover king, he's an interception mm-hmm. leader, <laughs> despite reduced games. So I'm actually surprised that this team did so well. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't believe the good news. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's a, it's a testament too, because like. Like a lot of times, like we'll have drafts and we'll look at it like, ah, oh, God, I don't, I don't like this this squad at all. But if if they're all, you know, doubles off the wall for lack of a better term, and they stay healthy, you're going to be right in the thick of it. And then sometimes you just need a big performance or two, like Amari Cooper going for 265 yards, and that puts you over the top, and you end up winning the 25 grand. Um, how did you handle uh, rookies, Wilson? Like when when you knew that. Um, you know, some of these uh, play, you know, like Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs or, or, you know, any of the first round receivers, how did you handle them um, drafting these, these players prior to the NFL draft? Um, what was the approach that you took? Uh, for this one? Well, actually for a lot of the uh, not too early league formats, I love rookies to be honest, but I try to limit my exposure because for, for obvious reasons, Rookies generally perform if they're good in the second half of the year. So if you load your roster with a lot of rookies, you may have a really low-scoring team until until the rookies, I guess, become ripe or, or whatever. And so therefore, when I when I approach any of these best ball pre-NFL draft, I try to limit my uh, rookie exposure. And again, it's more so that I don't want to like price myself out out of the running for top two in the league to advance by having them. And I love rookies too, but because of the unknown of the team and the, and the role, that's the best. And and the three rookies I drafted were one actually did okay because the only one that did okay was uh, Roshan Johnson, but Mm -hmm. the other two were nothing burgers. They they were basically zero. That surprises me. That's right. Well, okay. You, you had a good amount across all teams. You, you had several teams that rostered George Pickens. Uh, George Pickens is a is a sore spot for me this year. I was playing with the playing partner Trevor Holt, one of Balky's pals that he knows from Kentucky. And it came. We we were drafting, and we could choose Pickens or Pittman. And I'm a big Pittman guy, but I kind of deferred. And and Trevor Trevor picked Pickens. And although we had a good team, we were sitting on the precipice of a great team with Pittman. As we enter 2024 with Pickens, we recognize he's a great player. We don't know anything about who the quarterback's going to be, unless you have an opinion. I I certainly don't have an opinion. Uh, Your thought on Pickens, do you return to that player and say, I've seen the worst of it. It can't get anything but better. (laughs) What are you going to be doing with Pickens this year? Well, entering 2023, about the same time, uh, same time last year, mm. I was more pro Pickens than uh, Deontay Johnson yeah. uh, for the Steelers. After, you know, and after, as the, you know, post NFL draft and everything else, and and around the camp time, around like uh, camp. There was a lot of positive reports on the Steelers, if you recall. You know, people were saying Kenny Pickett looks great. Oh yeah. That. So I started balancing out my uh, balancing out my exposure, where I started accumulating some Deontay Johnson because I really didn't know. Because I used to be a Deontay Johnson 
And I think was it? I think it was 2020 to 2021. I, I think Deontay Johnson had zero touchdowns. Is, is that correct? Yeah, yep, I'm doing correct. it on memory. Yep. So therefore, I knew that Deontay Johnson would have that stigma. So I know I could have uh, gotten him. And Pickens has the. It seems like he has more upside. And Deontay Johnson's been around. And when he was what with Ben Big Ben as the quarterback, he was just peppering them with these five yard dump offs and he he had like tremendous number of receptions so i was a pickens guy i'm not sure what i am now with uh-huh. respect to uh because there's so many unknowns i'm i mean again last year wrongfully i i believed in the steelers hype coming out of camp mm-hmm. with, with their positive uh play by Kenny Pickett and all that, but mm-hmm. it, then it became like a Matt Canada issue and, and that fiasco, and then and then both receivers start behaving like divas, you know. Yeah, like, and San Francisco ended the positive Pittsburgh <laughs> Steeler thought at about three fifteen Eastern time on the first on week one. We didn't even get to the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but Michael, but to answer your question, Michael Pittman. I have nothing against him. He's a volume. He's more of a volume guy mm-hmm. than, than like a than a big play guy. But he was so cheap, so yes. that's why that's true. why I started getting Michael. Pittman. I mean, where I got him on uh, this particular draft on April fifteenth, that's probably I paid I paid premium because later on in the draft season, I think Eric, you would know. I think he was going in the seventh round, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. A l- little bit later. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking premium. it up right now. Yeah, his seventh rounder, and 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 you know, people I think coupled his coupled his perceived big lack of big playability with a rookie quarterback, and we we had very knowledgeable fantasy football players that had great seasons that would tell you Pittman was a seventy catch guy. So that's where a seventy catch guy should probably go is the seventh round. But I saw him much better than that, and he ended up with 100 catches. And he still doesn't find the end zone. By the way, Johnson got busy with the end zone this year. I, Bonky, you might have to correct me, but I think it was six touchdowns for Johnson this year. Pittman Pittman was still four or five touchdowns. Pittman was not a big touchdown sport. Um, I can tell you that when the FFPC main event closed on Sunday morning this past year of week one, Michael Pittman ended up going off as the wide receiver 39 at the 7-Eleven. So he oh. was a seventh round oh. pick at that point uh, of the season. And, and honestly, I think a lot of that had to do with um, people believing that Anthony Richardson would not be a polished passer uh, right. in his first season. And then he actually showed that, I wouldn't say he was a polished passer, but he, no. he was pretty effective in getting yeah. the ball to these players, especially Pittman. And then Minshew took over. So I don't even mm. know if we're going to get a discount. On, yeah, we on, said very early on that that without a dominant tight end, that this rookie receiver would would target Pittman and, and target him. I'm surprised he didn't catch more than 100 passes. I think with Richardson, he would have got more. Uh, Farrell, really. including the postseason, Deontay Johnson, six touchdowns this season. Way to go, Deontay. Wow. There you go. Absolutely. The touchdown yes. machine, baby. The, God, you know, I, if he was a cowboy, he would have had 18 touchdowns. Was, you know, yeah. What he could do for the Cowboys is amazing. He would have been suspended, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, Big Marty is watching us on YouTube tonight. He wants to know, uh, Wilson, did you did you intend or was it was it a happy accident that you got Prescott and Lamb on your twenty five thousand dollar winning team? 
Uh, it was more of a uh, the latter, a happy accident, as you can see. Um, I got I got Dak as the uh, in the sixth round, but he was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, QB nine off the board. Oh, wow. So okay. so it wasn't like you know, and I don't mind stacking, but I don't really want to pay a premium to stack. I know, like this past couple of years, because of how a lot of overall champions have have stacked, let's say uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and, and that kind of stuff, or Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. I know that was the craze, but this team just happened to be stacked because mm. of how the board fell. And, and I came Go in ahead. not wanting Dak Prescott. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, l- listen, if you if you can win twenty five k with with your favorite team. Uh, quarterback and receiver as two of your main cogs, more power to you. It makes it that much more sweeter. Um, I want to get back to something you're talking about with rookies, where you kind of shy away from them in a format like this, because if you get too rookie happy, your team is going to suffer the first half of the season. And while it might come out at the end, it might already be too late. Um, your thoughts, Wilson, on drafting um, risky players. Um, and but what I mean by risky players is players that could have a high ceiling if things fall the right way, be it a coaching hire, a coordinator hire, um, the team avoiding adding at the position, either in free agency or the draft, uh, the, the team uh, changing the way that they they uh, funnel the ball to them if they're a receiver or get the ball to them if they're running. Like there's certain players we know what their role is. Christian McCaffrey, we know what he's going to do in 2024, right? Um, we just talked about George Pickens, like, and we're, the three of us are n- not sure whether to make heads or tails out of them. So when it comes to players like that, where there's so much stuff that that has to happen yet, are you willing to go out on a limb? Are you willing to be more risky in the never too early best ball tournament? Or do you think it pays off to be a little bit more safe and line up your ducks in a row that way? Well, this is going to sound like a wishy-washy answer, but but it depends. Like We've heard those before. Uh-huh. Because because it because it's pre NFL draft, I I'm not risk adverse. I'm limiting my exposure to rookies. Now, once we have uh, the NFL draft, and obviously it's post free agency because that begins first, and we st- start seeing some camp news, like like we get an idea of uh, roles of, of the players of the rookies. I I take I'm much more aggressive there because I'm I'm working with uh, I guess I'm uh, guessing based on less unknowns. But mm-hmm. pre NFL draft, obviously you don't know the team, you don't know the role. Uh, so I mean, sometimes you don't even know if the if I mean, for example. Uh, what's the Traylon Burks? Mm-hmm. He came out with a lot of hype, but he comes into camp and he wasn't even in shape. So, so a lot of these rookies, and that's I'm just using them as a poster boy at this point. Mm-hmm. A lot of these rookies uh, post college because because all they've done is they prep for the combine. You don't know if they are in football shape or they just you know they're just celebrating or or, or whatnot. So the not too early drafts. I'm not risk adverse. I just basically try to contain my uh, my uh, enthusiasm. Let's say okay. I, I think that's wise because you know I, I I will I will counter with saying that you're getting real close to it. I you can guarantee they're in football shape. 
it's the mental uh it's living up to the mental requirements of being an NFL player from day one and the situation they end up in. I, I've got a quick question for both you guys. Who's the riskiest draft pick right now? Oh, spicy. Yeah. Um well, I mean, would you say a play like I mean, are we including rookies in this? Because I but think no, that- I, I want to go with the, the where risk meets higher draft position. Hmm. So one of the higher draft picks that that has already a great deal of risk attached to him that he won't go anywhere near as high as he is. Oh, oh, okay. Well, how about this one? I I'll, I'll I'm not saying this guy is the, the the riskiest guy, but the very first FFPC league that we had go off for 2024 today. Superflex draft, the 101, Bijan Robinson. Now, to me, that, that's very risky to take him at the 101 in a Superflex. But let's just throw that aside for a second. I think he let a lot of people down who drafted him in the first round this year. There is a, a coaching change and a coordinator change and potentially an offensive change and potentially a quarterback change in that offense this year. We know he's super talented. We know he can do numbers. But with all those you know sort of variables leading into the season – is he still worth a, a top half of the first round? Like, I, I think that's something that to, to consider here. Not saying he's the riskiest, Wilson, but he's got to be up there as far as risk goes. I, I would agree. Uh, the person on my mind that would probably be like a high risk, and, and this is based primarily on this past season's performance, is Kyron Williams. He has carried so many people to the championship, but – where he was taken, I, I, I think he's probably waiver wire, I, or, or he's like in the teen rounds when he was drafted uh, in at, you know at the end oh, of yeah. the draft season. So there's going to be a lot of people because they see. I think he. I, I don't have the final numbers in front of me. But I, I'm assuming he finished like top five running back. Yeah. So absolutely. people are going to people are going to be drafting him in I don't know no, first two rounds somewhere. You know, I think you're tasked with finding, digging into that rookies class, and finding this year's uh, Kyron Williams, and it is not a deep class of uh, running backs. My guy for the riskiest pick and perhaps with the highest risk reward attached to it is Austin Eckler, and I would be curious to oh, know. Yeah. I would be curious to know just how far Austin is falling, and and who who will. <sighs> Who will pull that trigger on Austin? I can yeah. tell you right now, um, and I'm looking at the data, fantasymojo.com, at fantasymojo on the X. Uh, Darren Armani does a great job with this. He I'm does. looking at three separate um, FFPC drafts in 2024. And uh, these uh, this is the uh, ne- never too early best ball tourney. And in so now they they all started at different times, but Eckler has not gone off the board in any of them yet. Um, and we have seen, I, I think this is in the third round now of the, of the 301 is the pick that's up right now in the, in the latest one. Um, Eckler is a great call because of age, again, because of a new coach, potential new offense there. Um, and we have an email about Keenan Allen, Wilson, that I'm going to get to you for you in a second. But Eckler's another guy that, that I'm, also, I'm, I'm, at, Farrell, I'm actually looking at him as a buy this year because I think he is going to tumble so far. That yes. at some point, like, okay, I'm not going to ignore what this guy was able to do. He, It's not like he has high mileage. Like, he might actually be a buy for me if he falls to, like, the fifth round or the sixth round mm-hmm. or something. Like, now, I don't know if he's going to do that. But if he does, Wilson, I mean, all of a sudden, Eckler looks like a buy here, considering he was a mid-first-round pick last year. Yeah, I think if I were to guess, I would think Eckler, 
because he's he's most likely going to be be on a new team. Also, mm-hmm. you got to remember that. Mm-hmm. Unless obviously the, the the Chargers are bringing in a new coaching staff, so mm-hmm. unless they decide to retain him, but uh, I'm assuming he's going to be in a new uniform. I, I'm guessing he goes where around where James Conner went last year. Mm-hmm. Wasn't right around the seventh and eighth round. Wow. They 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 sort of kind of sort of like have that same role where they're an established, they're, they're older, uh, they have injury or availability issues, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously their best days are behind them. But but I would agree with you where if Austin Eckler can recapture any of his previous form where he's more the receiving back, not, not the between-the-tackles right. uh, player, well, he could return some, some value. Which I think he stays. I think he stays a Charger, but I, I think you're, I think you're dead on. You and Bulky both are dead on. And wow, yeah, fifth, sixth, seventh round, he starts falling. Hard, to, hard to pass on. Con- Connor went at the seven hundred seven last year, uh, so that's that's an interesting comp there too. And I think that's that's a great point, Wilson. Like we might actually be rooting for him to be on the field less in 2024 because that could increase his efficiency and make him more valuable for fantasy. Now he played on the chargers last year. We'll see what the chargers do with him. But speaking of those same chargers, let's go to Owen in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Uh, He has an email. Uh, Wilson, given how his season ended, is it time to finally get off the Keenan Allen bandwagon? Thank you, Owen in Lawrence, uh, Massachusetts. Keenan Allen, uh, who went off the board pretty high last year, uh, as far as third um, round. Yeah, I mean, right. it, and sometimes even higher than that. I'm trying to find out where it was. Wide receiver 16, you're right, 305 is where he went off the board. Always. Keenan Kalen, he's probably going to drop this year, Wilson. Is is he the type of guy that, um, that uh, you know, he's got to slip to like the fourth and the fifth, or would you strike earlier than that on him? Well, full disclosure, I used to be a Keenan Allen person because ever since his rookie year. I have a feeling that Keenan Allen is following the – career path of Julio Jones when he's with the Falcons. The the last two years of Julio's time with the Falcons, he was literally uh, a roster clogger. He would always have hamstring injuries. And last year, I did not, I I forced myself not to own Keenan Allen. That was a mistake the first, whatever, 10 weeks. But, and then it didn't become a mistake because his availability was basically was done for the year. I, I, I don't think, yeah. I don't think he, so that type of player, as much as I would, I don't think I can get him at a discount. my point mm. for, for, I mean, because people will say, well, look at the first, whatever, eight to 10 weeks. He was, yeah. a, he was, a, he was like wide receiver one or two or something like that. For yeah. That 18 that. catch game in week three. Yes. Uh, Yes, 18 catches. Is that crazy? You guys yeah. remember that? 18 yeah. catches. Um, you know, he, he had – if he hadn't have been hurt, we talk about the way the season is ending for him. Uh, in in November, 11 catches versus Detroit. At Green Bay, Balky, 10 catches and a touchdown uh, versus Baltimore, 14 catches. Those are three weeks in a row. Uh, so if he doesn't get injured, and, you know, the – Balky, you got something about that non-zero injury comment? I, you know, I well, there's a non, there's a non-zero chance that Keenan Allen is going to miss time every year. Yeah, there's also and it, 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 like, that's for every player in the league. Every know, player in the league, yeah, yeah. That's the the best ability is availability. Keenan Allen had a ton of it the first half of the season. The last third, not so much. 
Um, give me a hundred and eight. Give me a hundred and eight catches through twelve games, and I'll figure out somebody. You'll figure else it out. You'll figure plays. it out. Well, you know, you know I, I said that with one of my leagues where Keenan Allen was one of my most like he was one of my higher drafted players, and I counted on him. And uh, he, I ended up losing a league because I just could not replace him. That's, I guess, that's no. on me. I should have been able to replace him. Yeah, it is um, on you at some point. John in Toledo, Wilson has an email for you. Uh, how high would you draft Tank Dell next season? Thanks so much. That is John in Toledo. John, we appreciate the email. Uh, this is a compelling one. Now, I don't know how much risk there is with him, but it, it depends how crazy nuts people get with this guy based on what he did this past year. Wilson, when you look at Tank Dell, you could get him for a song last year in drafts. You, you know, going into the um, going into the 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 Wilson Moy crystal ball here. Where do you think he's going to go in drafts, and is that the right spot where you would take him? Uh, I'm a Tank Dell guy, so I was one of the lucky. Maybe not this particular league that we're talking about tonight, but I, I'm a Tank Dell fan uh, because I think. Uh, during the thing that sold me is I think uh, during uh, it was with, with CJ Stroud, I think he, I, he basically identified him uh, pre, uh, previous to the NFL draft to go yep. get him. So, and he has that, uh, how should I say it? His game is kind of like, uh, he's a smaller receiver. He's fast. Uh, maybe like a young T Y Hilton type of type of player. Oh where, yeah. He's not like a he's not a Michael Pittman or or but he seems like a, a more diminutive longest I, uh, big bigger play guy. I would guess that he's go he's gonna go <sighs> like would fifth round be too high for Dell? Because I mean I think about that Houston offense next year. Yeah, what they've shown us at towards the end of this season with without Dell. And and without Noah Brown, you think about a healthy Collins and a healthy Brown and a healthy Dell. Like, and that's that's not the mouse defeat argument. That's the rising tide argument. Where you know you put enough of these guys out there with Stroud, he's going to pick and pick defenses apart and get these guys when they're open. I don't think fifth round is too high. I think you have to draft him in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. I don't think unless you're playing with a bunch of fish. That let them slide. I don't think if you if you're in a competitive league, and most of your leagues are where the people, especially people drafting in March and April, uh-huh. they, they, they're they're degenerates just like me. I mean, <laughs> they may not admit it, but but they're in there for a reason, and they're going to pull them up the draft board. If, if as yeah. soon as they slide in the sixth round, then we're like, I'm going to pull the trigger. So I think you're going to be in that situation where you have to reach to get him because he's young. He's a second year receiver. Uh, he's on a uh, a very productive offense, uh, I, I, and I'm assuming Nico Collins goes in the second and third round. Oh yeah, oh, after mm-hmm. the season he had. Uh, guys, I think you know in your Tank Dell, um, <laughs> very good player who flashed during the season and was a bargain. Um, he never had double digit receptions in a game, and then in this offense he won't. He is. He is quicker rather than fast, as evidenced by his four or five at the combine. When he ran a lot of when he ran a four or five at the combine, a lot of the scouts were looking at their shoes. You know, they were expecting this guy to be much, much faster. But he plays fast on the field. He has good play speed. And in the way he was utilized in the routes, he got open against the competition in that division. I think if you're paying fifth round 
uh, value for Tank Dell, you're overpaying on what will be a, a 70 catch um, receiver who who will have five or six touchdowns. Uh, I don't think he'll run unfettered uh, in his second year like he did many times this year. But uh, all those things you're saying about him is right. He and the quarterback have a wonderful connection. And and they and and we, we like Wilson said we should have known this when Stroud is pounding the table right after the Texans draft him. Hey, go out and get me Tank Dell. You yeah. won't regret yeah. it. Fan and fantasy owners who went out and grabbed him, they didn't regret it either. Uh, let's talk about the FFPC playoff challenge number two. Um, Wilson, you, I know you're in this. Uh, what can you tell us about your lineup so far? Obviously, you don't want to reveal everything, but the way you're attacking this competition. <laughs> uh, I wish I could tell you, but. I've never been successful at this, so <laughs> so, so I, I'm actually not sure what I'm doing right now. It's heavy chalk, and it's just placeholder. So if you, right. I, you probably have it on your screen. I don't have it. I, I don't remember who I. I just did some placeholders mm-hmm. based on people I don't have, maybe except for the quarterback. But uh, yeah, if you shed some light, I, I'm I'm, well, I'm all ears. <laughs> how about this? How about this? Let let's let's do this. Kev Wheeler, who is uh, watching us on YouTube last night, co-hosted the HSF uh, show with me last night on the Better Sports Network. And when we were formulating a lineup, normally, like, and I always say, like, we'll fill out your bracket with the teams first and then pick your players after that. We actually took a little bit different of an approach last night where we kind of just chose the the, the player off the team. And um, we just went, like, the slam dunk ones, right? So, like, we were kind of made up our minds. I got it right here. I think I got it right here. We kind of made up our minds that we were going with Mike Evans for the Buccaneer. We made up our minds that Nico Collins was going to be our Texan. We made up our minds that Aaron Jones was going to be our Packer. So then at that point, uh, we whittled it down, and he he said, like, let's save the Ravens, let's save the Niners, and let's save the Bills and see where we're we're at at the end um, of filling everybody else in. So we did that, and we ended up having an open spot at quarterback, an open spot at tight end, and an open spot at running back. So, ergo, we went Lamar Jackson at quarterback, McCaffrey at running back, and Dalton Kincaid at tight end. I've never filled out – I mean, well, obviously I don't play in it because I'm an employee of the FFPC, but I've never filled out a lineup like that before where you kind of like um, – we know that we felt like Baltimore, Buffalo, San Francisco, in, in our opinion, have the best chance to go deep uh, in this postseason tournament. But I've never done it where, where it's like, okay, well – Let's figure out the chaff, and then we'll get the wheat at the end, right? That was that was a unique way to do it. I've never tried that before, Wilson. Yeah, I, and what you said is uh, seems rational and seems like a good strategy. Obviously, you want your higher point person to come from a team that you think will advance the furthest to capture those points more than just the the, the immediate week, but I. This, these type of competitions, and it, it, I'm not backpedaling, but I, I currently live in Las Vegas, Nevada, and DFS is, is not legal here. Mm-hmm. So, I, so these are more like DFS lineups where you don't really have a lot of time. It's either immediate this week or next week or, or whatever. So when you play with volume, Let's say you have five teams. You can diversify out sometimes and, mm-hmm. and change it. And I think probably sometimes that uh, may or may not help you because a lot of times when you 
look in reverse, like you look at the league winner, they usually sometimes have a person that was not obvious that helped them carry them to the championship. Like, for example, uh, since you since you have all the data, how many people had Jake Ferguson starting? Oh, this is this is great. So uh, um, I, I was talking with Howard Bender and Jim Bowden on Fantasy Alarm today about this. Utilizing the Fantasy Mojo stats in the $200 FFPC playoff challenge that locked last week, you had just over 1% of those 7,800 teams had Jake Ferguson going and believe it or not, Wilson, one guy, I shouldn't say guy, one entry in the whole competition had Kareem hunt who was the Brown to own. Like if you're going to own a Brown, he was the guy, one person out of 7,800 ended up having Kareem hunt. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy low percentage for Ferguson. It was even crazier low for Kareem hunt, but that's what you're looking at for Ferguson. Yeah. So, so a lot of times where I was going is when you have one entry, like I do, or, or very few entries, you tend to go chalk, the most mm-hmm. obvious, because you want that action. You know, like like CMC. If he goes off, I know everyone, you know, probably 75% of the league has Christian McCaffrey because they don't want to lose out on those points. So they're trying right. to make up somewhere else. But a lot of times, if you only have one or two entries, you don't diversify. You're going to go with, like, the most – obvious and, and chalky players. So the teams that diversify end up may have, oh, I have a, I have 10 teams, so I'm going to try some Jake Ferguson on my team or a Kareem Hunt because they already have combinations with the other players. And that's where I was saying. I, I And that's why I brought up the DFS mentality. A lot of these people that play DFS, they play huge volume. They can have, I don't know, 20 teams, 30 teams, and they go on these exotic lineups because they're just trying to catch lightning in a bottle. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's what wins. Yeah. You know, I, I wish I wish I wish it was just obvious or everyone would be a winner, but <laughs> it does Yeah, if it was easy, everybody would do it the same way. Yeah. I have one final question before Farrell asks you the final question tonight, Wilson. 25 grand, it's a nice little chunk of change. Have you earmarked any of that money for what you're gonna spend it on? Oh, you'll like you'll like I, I'm basically gonna roll it into uh upcoming league fees. <laughs> I'm a degenerate. <laughs> it, it's the best move for your dollar, Bursar. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. gonna parlay it. That's brilliant. Well, you won twenty five thousand dollars uh last year in this t- one tournament alone. Think about what you could do with that investment in in uh other FFPC leagues or more FFPC leagues. So I'd love to hear that. Farrell, go, yeah, ahead yeah. go ahead, go ahead Farrell, with your final question. Okay. Well, while you're investing in these leagues, <laughs> who do you believe in? Give me the guy in 2024 that you already know is going to be a key cog in your championship teams. And who is someone that you're just not – that's just completely off your board, that you're done with, you're over with this player? No way you're interested in him at all. Oh, those are easy questions, Farrell. But uh, this this answer will be. That's why we save them late in the show. Yeah, no, no, it's actually play. difficult. I want you to finish strong. I I think there's going to be some. I believe there's going to be some value on this polarizing player, and I'm going to have some uh, some shares of him. Kyle Pitts. I, I'm yeah. sure people will be because. You know, several reasons. Number one, 
I don't think this year he will be overvalued or overdrafted. He's coming off of a down year. He's healthier. He's most. He's going to get a, a new coaching upgrade or, or a hopefully a coaching upgrade, not downgrade, mm-hmm. uh, because you, you can go into message boards and see people complaining about, uh, <laughs> you know, the the Mister uh, Arthur, Mister Smith, uh, Arthur yeah, Smith. Artie Smith, and. There's a chance he's going to get a quarterback upgrade. Yeah, damn straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Bill Belichick is in his second interview with Arthur Blank this weekend. So if it's Bill Belichick, let's say, I don't know who the front runner is, but if it's Bill Belichick, he has a history of utilizing tight ends in the past. So I don't think, I think the risk reward, I think Farrell was asking, saying something about that earlier. The risk reward seems to be there for Kyle Pitts. This may be the cheapest year you get him. Yeah, because yeah. And, so, and you know if, if that poor guy that drafted Bijan Robinson is now thinking about Bill Belichick, and I think Bill would make Bijan Robinson a feature player, but God forbid, just think about what he's done for great New England running backs and how many. Oh my goodness, Bijan is part of a four-man committee. You know? Yeah, you hope he doesn't fumble. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's the, a fact. And the second part of your your. The second part of your, uh, I think you would say, who am I off of? I think, I yes. believe that's what you asked. Yes. I'm off of like the older players, like um, Cooper Cup, for example. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he'll get to a point where he becomes a value because because his name has mm-hmm. so much, carries so much name value. Oh, yeah. People will say, well, two years ago, he set the NFL record for, receiving or, or whatnot so there's always going to be that demand where let's say he gets to the fifth sixth seventh round people are going to be drafting him and, and i'm not willing to for me i'm not willing to draft someone of his age and and he he has availability issues also mm-hmm. so he's one he he's he's low-hanging fruit the other one is probably um derrick henry so, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Derrick Henry is a polarizing guy, and it's not like I don't like Derrick Henry, but mm. his situation is so unique that you have to have an offense set. He's a total volume guy. Mm. You can't give him like seven or eight carries and, and have him be useful mm. in fantasy. You have to give him. You have to pound him for 20, mm. 20 touches. So that's gonna, and he's most likely gonna be on a new team also. Yes. So again, those two are probably. And I, I picked the the higher the, the earlier drafts, so it's more useful than picking low hanging fruit like Robert Woods or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, we appreciate it. You're dude. off like, Robert Woods. Who would yeah. have thought? Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's Delphi. <laughs> Breaking news. We we just broke YouTube with that with that announcement. Um, Wilson Moy uh, broke the FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament last year to the tune of twenty five thousand dollars in his account. Wilson, we certainly appreciate you hopping aboard tonight, hanging out with us, uh, sharing your insight in uh, how you built this team and how you build your your future teams in the FFPC. Don't be a stranger. We'll talk with you again real soon. Enjoy the divisional playoff games this weekend, my friend. Thank thank you, gentlemen, and and have a great evening. And and thank you for inviting me on. You got it. Thanks, Wilson. We'll see you. Uh, That is Wilson Moy, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the 2023 FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament, which is going on right now. You can sign up for it at myffpc.com. we got three leagues off and uh, more to come, no doubt. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Farrell. 
<clears throat> getting a little verklempt looking at my FFPC playoff challenge two roster. Here's mm. what I have. I sent it to you earlier. Um, you can let me know what you think about this. I think when I look at whoever wins this competition, I'm going to say, wow, that is really chalky and I can't believe it won. I went with a lot of crazy picks in this one. It's mm. it's not my, not my favorite roster, uh, but this is what we're doing. So I have Josh Allen as my quarterback. Um, at running back, I went with two of them. I went with Isaiah Pacheco for Kansas City, going with Jameer Gibbs from Detroit. I only have two receivers as well, Jaden Reed from Green Bay, and then Chris Godwin. To to me, he's he's the he's going to be the underowned Buccaneers receiver, and he should be the volume guy there. So hopefully, it works out with Godwin and Reed, which means I'm going with three tight ends. The three tight end lineup. 37.5% of this roster will be tight ends. It's George Kittle. It's Isaiah Likely. And I went with Dalton Schultz. Decided between Schultz and Collins, but I remember what you said about Schultz last week. So I threw Schultz in there as well. So Allen, Pacheco, and Gibbs in the backfield. Reed and Godwin on the perimeter. And then Kittle, Likely, and Schultz at tight end. If you were going to change anything on here, what would it be? And please be kind. We've already talked about Likely coming out of this scenario. So we, we need to. We need to get him out of this. Okay. I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think you can move him to the bench. That opens you up a new Raven. Yep. Uh, and you, you know, it doesn't it doesn't get any better for me than Flowers, the wide receiver. That that would be the Raven that I would want to play. So okay. you're picking that you're you're expecting a San Francisco and Buffalo Super Bowl. That that would be my yes. That would be yeah. what I'm projecting here, yeah, San Francisco Buffalo. Um. Yeah, and uh, boy, we gave, some, we gave some real good advice, at least I did last week, telling you to put Nico Collins on the bench and 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 play Cooper. Man, that was some really, really good advice. And we, it happens. We said, yeah, but, you know, uh, <clears throat> what a game Collins had. Schultz was on his way to a big game. He he put some points up with a touchdown. He had a, he had a pass interference where he would have – Made a likely another catch, and then uh, he dropped he dropped his first ball uh, to start the game. But I think Schultz has leaned on much much more uh, this week, and and Collins will find a different defensive scenario uh, in his matchup this week. However, uh, my advice, uh, based on what Cooper did, you can't overcome the difference between Cooper and Collins unless unless Schultz were to score forty. <laughs> so right, we're, right. We're, my advice has already bankrupted that team. So I would take my advice with a, with a grain of salt. I share the fact, Wilson, that I have rarely been successful in these. I did, I did do well in one of them, and I was so shocked. I, I called for an audit. I didn't think it was possible. Um, <clears throat> I like Godwin as a pick. You yeah. know more about the Packers than anybody, so Jaden Reed – and 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 it's always a thrill. You've got my two favorite running backs in Gibbs and Pacheco. So, yeah, there, there's this is a good. This is fascinating to watch these players play. Nick, uh, the the thing we look at here is um, if Jaden Reed has one of his like seven for eighty and two touchdown games, which he's been doing, you know, quite a bit towards the second half of the season. Even if it's one and done for the Earth, if if it's one and done in this contest for the Packers, you're good with that from Reed. And then Godwin too. I mean. He's the type of guy that, like, 
is not going to he doesn't have the the floor ceiling differential that Evans does. He does have that, you know, 6 for 60 and a touchdown type of capability regardless of game script, regardless of how the game's going. So, I like the way that Godwin is 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 shaping up for the Buccaneers here too. Um I like this lineup from a uniqueness standpoint. This would not be a lineup I would submit if it was my only one, but if I'm filling out multiple uh, then this would definitely be one I'd submit. And and uh, this would be the HSFF hour submission if it could submit it. Uh, so there you go. Alan Pacheco Gibbs, Reed Godwin, Kittle, Schultz, and then Flowers will be our uh, our flex here, our, our second flex to go along with Dalton Schultz. Farrell from the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Farrell Elliott, the commissioner there. Register for those Sunday drafts, kffsc.com. I'm looking at a lot of red. They're almost filled Saturday. Uh, February 10th, eight, Sunday, eight February 11th. Eight spots left, Bucky. Eight yeah. spots left, and you need to come on and get down here. I know. I know. Listen, it, this is not – listen, you're not waiting not, on me in this scenario. I'm waiting on you, yeah. I am, waiting like, on you. I am waiting on my family to get their yeah. stuff uh, taken care of. waiting on you. Yeah. Uh, th- there's eight spots left. It's going to be fascinating who gets them. And uh, they'll be coming <laughs> to play against defending champion, 78-year-old Dr. Stephen Hutcherson, who took this championship last year. And uh, this year's $300 entry, 96 teams, and a $10,000 grand prize. So come on and uh, enjoy Super Bowl weekend in, in warm and wonderful Kentucky at Caesar, Southern Indiana. Uh, plenty of bourbon there as well, which yes. I always appreciate. KFFSC.com is where to go. Farrell, I appreciate it. You enjoy those four football games this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. You got it. That is Farrell Elliott, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Commissioner over at KFFSC.com. I want to thank Wilson Moy. I want to thank Farrell Elliott, uh, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you for streaming, downloading, listening, watching, everything. Uh, we appreciate it, for sure, at the FFPC. Uh, the HSFF Hour will be back next Friday, 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to have the $200,000 2023 FFPC Best Ball Tournament champ, Zach Toyle. On uh, which is going to be great to, to talk to him. A longtime FFPC player hit it big this past uh, year with that 200k grand prize in the BBT. Uh, in case you missed it, Tuesday's Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. It was our season eight finale. Uh, second place finisher in the 2023 FFPC Divisional Playoff Challenge. Bill McCall was my guest. So if you're looking for some Divisional Playoff Challenge and uh, two analysis, there go there as well. The show returns Tuesday, February sixth. At 10 p.m. Eastern Time, that's the Tuesday before Super Bowl week. We will now go the first Tuesday of every month until September when we go weekly again. Uh, you can watch last night's High Stakes Fantasy Football Show. That's weekly every single week. On the Better Sports Network, on any of the FFPC socials or the uh, Better Sports Network socials, uh, betternetwork.com as well. The 33rd teams, Kevin Wheeler and I, chopped it up. We took a look back at 2023, a look forward to 2024, and then we spent the full hour trying to formulate an FFPC playoff uh, challenge number two lineup, which I think we did pretty good on. You can watch it back uh, to tell us how we did and maybe submit that lineup. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, we'll go live again uh, this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time with the 33rd team again. The 33rd team's Josh Larkey will uh, be my guest for the full two hours that night. Go to myffpc.com to play the FFPC weekly challenge number two. No draft, no salary cap. You're picking one player per NFL team for the remaining teams in the playoffs. And then watch that score pile up for the entire postseason. You don't have to resubmit lineups or pick new players throughout. Once they uh, kick off in Baltimore tomorrow between the Ravens and Texans, your lineup is locked for the remainder of the postseason. Only one player per team. Uh, per NFL team, excuse me, $35 to win $25,000, $200 to win 
uh, ten, uh, excuse me, a hundred thousand dollars, and we are looking at um, now just over sixty percent filled in both of them. And I got to tell you, I think that's behind last year's pace. I don't know if this contest reaches capacity. There could be some decent value in this. If you wanted to, you were thinking about additional teams, this would probably be a good competition to do it in. That's at myffpc.com. As a reminder, all prizes are guaranteed regardless of entries. What we announced when this contest got announced, those are the prizes that we will pay out regardless of how many people sign up and play in this competition, myffpc.com. Remember to like, subscribe, comment on this video, share it with your friends and enemies, and get notified every time we go live again. Get those playoff challenge lineups in, everybody. Thanks for watching your FFPC Divisional Playoff Challenge number 2 and Divisional Playoff uh, divisional playoff uh, Weekend in the NFL starts now. <laughs>I didn't want to say this while noted Cowboys fan Wilson Moy was on the air, but I do want to shout out the Green Bay Packers, the team that I root for, the team that I have grown up and been a lifelong Packers fan. Uh, and how good of a fan am I? I thought they were going to get destroyed against Dallas last week. That didn't happen. So hopefully things work out for Green Bay this weekend. Go Pack Go against the Niners. I remain cautiously optimistic on this game, but uh, it's going to be fun from a fantasy football standpoint to get those playoff challenge two lineups in for all of you. Uh, and take your shot at $100,000 at myffpc.com. Enjoy the games, everybody. We'll talk with you again a week from today. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.